G'day and welcome to another episode of Perth Property Insider. I'm your host, Jared Mann, and today I'm really excited to have Michael Yardney back on the show. He's one of Australia's most highly awarded and influential property investment experts, and today we're going to be going deep into how to play a strong defense with Michael. He's going to give us his reasons why he doesn't think that the market's going to crash and things that we can do with our mindset, our finance, our property selection to position ourselves with a strong defense so we can be ready for anything. So let's go inside. Welcome to Perth Property Insider, where you will learn how to grow your wealth and improve your life using Perth property. Our show is brought to you by Investors Edge Real Estate, the highly rated and award-winning property management specialist servicing the whole of Perth. Now, here is your host, Jared Mann. Welcome along to Perth Property Insider, Michael. It's always great to have a chat with you. It's fun to be back. Thanks, Jared. Now, the reason I wanted to get you on is that we can kind of get brought into a false sense of security when everything's going great in the markets. And, you know, when we're investing during a boom, we tend to feel like a bit of a hero, don't we? Yeah. Well, anyone could buy a property last year and go away on holidays. Not that you could because COVID stopped us. And when you came back, your property would be worth a lot more than when you went away. So you felt smart. Hmm. And it masks a lot of other potential issues with property selection, you you know, people mm-hmm. are doing renovations or development and thinking that they're doing those things well. It and, covered up uh, a lot of mistakes, Jared. And last year I saw a lot of people take shortcuts because of FOMO. And unfortunately, some of those will come to roost this year when they've made decisions that maybe they're going to regret moving forward. Hmm. And when we look around the country, we can definitely see that Melbourne and Sydney are slowing down overall. And there seems to still be some upside for Brisbane, Adelaide and my hometown of Perth. But yep. I always like to look ahead and not just be focusing on the present. And I think we can learn a lot from you. Having been through a number of cycles in the past, you've got a few more gray hairs than me. Um, (laughs) Just a few. Just a little few. Yep. I'm catching up with you. Good on you. I think it's really important for us to look ahead and start to think about how to play a stronger defense and some of the things to consider to get our house in order. So that's why I've got you on. Thank you. Well, let's start with what's currently happening because Sydney Mm. and Melbourne have been the first capital cities to record negative monthly growth rates this year, according to the CoreLogic figures. And in fact, Hobart in April started to drop as well after many months of consecutive growth. But we've got to remember there's not one Melbourne property market. There's not one Sydney property market. So within each of those capital cities, there are micro markets. There are markets within markets. There are houses, there's townhouses, there's apartments, there's the inner city, there's middle ring suburbs, there's affluent in the first home buyer market. So it's wrong to say Melbourne and Sydney are falling. It's a bit like saying I've got one hand in a bucket of hot water, Jared, and another in a bucket of cold water, and on average I feel okay. Some areas (laughs) are still doing well, and other areas, unfortunately, property values are dropping. And what it's shown this year, and it's not surprising, is that it's predominantly predominantly the upper end, the most expensive properties in Melbourne and Sydney, and to be frank, Canberra as well a bit, and also the inner city, the apartment markets that are suffering. But Jared, it's not unusual for the high end, the most affluent suburbs to outperform and have bigger swings. So during the boom times, they've done particularly well because people's businesses are doing well, their incomes were going well, they had multiple streams of income. So in general, we tend to see 
stronger performance from the premium end of the market through the growth phase of the cycle. But then when the softer conditions come, historically, not just this time, the more expensive end of the market tends to lead the downswing, just like it led the upswing. And that's what we're currently seeing mm. at the moment, Jared. Yeah, seeing some more things in Perth, even though we're trailing behind the other capitals, that pattern has existed in the past and I can see it folding out now as well. Sure. So if we look back at previous cycles, I guess it's first of all important to understand the properties do move in cycles. Now in Perth, that's much harder because you've had a very, very flat period because you had an excessive boom leading up to this tougher time. And we've spoken before and I'm sure you've uh, informed your clients and the listeners about why the Perth market has underperformed moving forward. But the bottom line really is every boom leading leads to the next downturn, just like every downturn leads to the next upswing. And what's happened is in many parts of Australia, property values grew 20%, often 30% over the last couple of years, despite the pandemic, despite the closed borders, despite people not coming into the country because of very low interest rates, because of the government stimulus, because people had jobs. And in fact, it was a cycle of upgraders, Jared. People who were tenants became first home buyers, first home buyers, people who had their homes upgraded, wanted better homes. They wanted uh, backyards. They didn't want to live in apartments. Millennials moved to household formation age. Baby boomers bought themselves a holiday home because they couldn't go overseas. So the last couple of years was it's characterized by these great number of property purchases and interestingly, not as many investors. But during that time, overall, wages growth was minimal, mm. over 3 5%. And so it had to stop at some stage because eventually affordability is going to be the issue, which is what slowed things down, not interest rates, not rising interest rates. And this time around, not even the actions of APRA last year, because in previous cycles, it's been the tightening of credit that stopped the market from moving forward. Makes sense. So how do we look ahead and what do we do to protect our downside and position us to have that stronger defense? Well, people are asking me, when is it going to stop? Mm. How long is the market going to go on like this? And I guess the other big question is, is the property market going to crash? Because you only have to look at any article online, uh, any of the newsletters, and they're going to tell you the banks are suggesting that rising interest rates are going to drop the property markets in late this year, or maybe 2023. I mean, there's always the negative Nellies in the property pessimists have always suggested that. And there's no doubt that we are now moving to the slowdown phase of the cycle. But that doesn't mean that the value of your home, my home is going to drop, all properties are going to drop. I really, really can't see the property market crashing. See, for the property market to crash 10, 15, 20%, like some of the people are saying, Jared, people have to actually sell their homes and there's nobody there to buy them and they've got to sell at any price. But there's no need at the moment. We don't have desperate sellers. And yes, interest rates are going to go up. And yes, some people are going to have some mortgage stress. But can I just go through a couple of reasons why I don't think the property market is going to crash, Jared? Yeah, that would be great. Well, first of all, despite the pandemic and despite all the issues, the average Australian is wealthier than ever. Interestingly, the CBA bank, who is on the one hand saying property values are going to fall, are suggesting that during the lockdowns, Australians have socked away something like $230 billion, with a B in excess savings, leading to a massive war chest. Some have got cash, amazingly, they're keeping cash, no idea why. Some have got uh, money in their offset accounts 
So they've got savings. At the same time, of course, as we said, the value of their homes have gone up, so they've got more equity. And combining that, we've actually got strong superannuation, strong share portfolio. The average Australian is wealthier than they ever have been. And last year, the residential property market increased significantly. It went up to about $7 billion to close to trillion dollars in property market. And there's about, at the moment, $2 trillion worth of loans. So overall, the property market has got a yeah, very low, low 20% rate. loan to value ratio. Mm. And Jared, 50% of all homeowners have no mortgage. Your parents, my parents, older people who've had their homes for a moment. I shouldn't say my parents, I apologize. Um, me and my parents, unfortunately, have passed away. But people of my generation who bought their homes 30, 40 years ago or bought homes and paid their homes off. So in general, the property market overall has a very low loan to value ratio. And in general, people have got a war chest and the net wealth of Australians has gone up. So yes, are they going to, property value is going to drop a bit. Yeah, but that 50% of homeowners who don't even have a mortgage, they don't care that interest rates are going up. It doesn't affect them. No. And then of those who have got a mortgage, a lot who bought their properties five, 10 years ago, Jared, they've actually got quite some equity in their property. And so therefore, they're not worried about mortgage costs as well. The ones who are going to hurt a bit with rising interest rates are the first homeowners who've got in with a 2% deposit, a 5% deposit with some of the schemes that have been around, and also investors who've overcommitted themselves. But there's currently, Jared, no sign of mortgage stress for the majority of borrowers. In fact, all the banks are saying, most of their home loans are paid weeks, months, sometimes even years in advance. Mm. I think the other thing is, yes, interest rates are going to go up, but they can't stay at virtually zero. They were wartime, very low interest rates to push the market, to stimulate the market, to stop us falling into a recession during the COVID cocoon that we all experienced. And so therefore, they've now got to get up back to normal. But when they get to normal, the Reserve Bank doesn't want to crash the property market. It wants that about as much as it wants another case of uh, another strain of coronavirus. So what it really is going to do is slow inflation down. But if it's learned anything, and I hope it has, it's not going to push interest rates up too much. And so therefore, they're going to get to neutral rather than stimulatory. Of course, if they do push them too high, unfortunately, it could slow the market too much. Now, everyone knows we've got new government and they've got new policies. There's one policy they've come up with, Jared, that worries me a bit. Can I share that with you? Yeah, of course. And that's the concept, and I don't disagree with it in principle, but the concept that there should be a minimum minimal wage increase. Mm. Because if everybody gets more money, yes. I mean, as a business owner, you'd understand that. If everyone gets more money, that's going to be good for the economy. They're going to spend more. Yeah, there's nothing wrong with that. What that's going to do is pick up inflation. Mm. And then as a business owner, you're going to have to put up your, uh, people are going to have to put up their costs because it's costing me more. And some businesses still haven't got margins enough to raise rates, uh, wages 5%. And what that's going to mean is more inflation as costs go up, as people spend more. And so what's the Reserve Bank going to do? It's going to raise interest rates to slow the inflation. And the cycle goes on. And I actually lived through the 1970s. I bought my first property in the 1970s, in the early 70s, when the Whitlam government came into power, the Labor government. And that's what we experienced, a period of very high inflation. Fantastic 
for me to start off with because there wasn't all this information. I thought, why hadn't anyone told me about this before? All of a sudden, I bought a property and it went up so much in value and the rents went up so much I could mm. buy another one. And we had this inflationary yeah. wages spiral until eventually it had to be stopped and that created a recession in the 80s. Most people know the big recession we had to have in the 90s, but there was one in the early 80s and that taught me as a young investor, hey, the market doesn't always go up. So your question of what do we do to protect ourselves is a smart one, but I'm really just explaining that what the background is in my thought process before mm-hmm. I give you an answer. So interest rates are low and they are going to go up, but when they do go up, they're only probably going to go up one and a half, two percent overall more. And that means, yes, your mortgage will go up a bit too, but everyone who borrowed in the last couple of years had the banks already checked that they could cope with two, if not three percent rise in interest rates. So yes, some people will be caught short, but that doesn't mean they've got to sell up. The bank doesn't want to sell you up. The Reserve Bank doesn't want the property market to crash. So the banks have been conservative in their lending criteria. And if you look at previous cycles, the history shows that rising interest rates haven't stopped the property market moving. Because again, as I said, half the homeowners, it's not going to worry. The other half, it probably isn't going to worry as much. Other than the first home buyers and some cashed up, sorry, some highly leveraged investors may have a little bit of trouble. What stopped the property market in the past has not been interest rates as much as credit tightening. The flow of credit when APRA got involved in 2016-17, when prior to that we used to have a credit squeeze. But what we're seeing on the ground around Australia is a huge shortage of properties with more people going to come into the country because the government's now going to open the borders Mm. and bring people in because of the low unemployment rates. And most are going to live somewhere in the capital cities, not many are going to go to the regional towns and they're going to rent initially. And you know it, running a very large property management department for your clients, there's no vacancies anymore. There's nowhere for them to live. And this is going to underpin rentals, underpin our property markets, and investors are going to get back into the market as well. So why am I right and the experts wrong? Well, just look at what they said about the doomsday predictions at the beginning of COVID, the debt bomb, remember that didn't explode, and the fiscal cliffs we were meant to fall off and we didn't fall off that. Australia's economy is strong. Anyone who wants a job can get a job. And in fact, they're job hopping to get better wages. So yes, will the property market slow? Of course it will. We've had unprecedented growth that can't continue on. Will it crash? Probably not, other than certain sectors. And that is, sure, some first-home buyers who've overcommitted are going to get themselves into trouble. And some investors who've borrowed too much and mortgage stress may affect them. They're the segments that could get into trouble, Jared. Hmm. Well, that makes a lot of sense when you look at the big picture and start to drill down on all the fundamentals as well. But you ask, what can you do about it? I guess the answer is be prepared. Expect the worst, but plan for the best. Mm -hmm. So people say to me, well, when's the slowdown going to happen? And I say, (laughs) it is going to happen, but I don't know. Are we going to have another recession, Michael? And the answer is, yes, we are. But I don't know when that's going to happen. Interest rates are going to go up. How high are they going to go? Well, yeah, they are going to go up. I don't know how high they're going to go. And that doesn't satisfy them. But I have expectations rather than forecasts. So knowing exactly when or how much is more a forecast, but by having the expectation that it's going to happen, Jared, it's made me a safer, more cautious Mm -hmm. investor so that I'm going to be prepared for that. So I have a plan. I have a strategy. Our clients at Metropole are all given a plan. And when we tell them, plan for your plan, not to go to plan because things are going to go wrong along the way. So you've got to have financial buffers. Make sure- that's the thing, isn't it? Because 90% of investors get stuck at one to two properties. And I think the stat is that the vast majority of them sell up within five years. So it's yeah. times 
like this that can, you know, shake the boat and those that don't have their plan and don't, you know, haven't thought about protecting their downside with a strong defense. Unfortunately, they can you know, be bounced out of the market for one reason or another, and then they don't end up building that larger portfolio and creating the wealth. I guess a couple of reasons. One is finance. So I have personally locked in a large portion of our loans earlier this year. I should have done it last year, but I didn't think the rates were going to change as much. So that's a form of protection. Now, this is not advice for other people. I don't know their no. personal circumstances, uh, but that's something you should speak to a proficient mortgage broker about. I own the sort of properties in the locations which are not going to suffer as much. So to me, I do live in one of the high-end suburbs in a good street in one of the high-end suburbs. So my own home may go down in value a bit, but my properties, that's not an investment grade property. It's a lovely place to live, but my investment grade properties are in suburbs where people have got good income, higher disposable income, a large percentage of owner occupiers, and people are wanting to live there. And, and so they're the areas that are going to hold their own more than the lower end. And this is not a judge of people, but the areas where people are living month to month, week to week. So the areas where my tenants are, people are paying a premium to live there because they're wanting to live there. Yeah, they want to be in the good there because they're poor. Exactly. The Schools, lifestyle, neighborhood, lifestyle preferences to owning the right properties. And then having your financial buffers in place, insurance policy, which is something I learned in that first downturn of the 1980s when I wasn't prepared for it because no one even told me about those sort of things happening. So if people can get themselves ready and I guess have a long-term view, except that in the short term, the market will go down, but in the long term, well-located capital city properties are going to keep increasing in value for two main reasons. Our population is going to grow significantly, Jared, and our nation is going to be wealthier so we can afford to live in better, more expensive properties. Hmm. I guess the silver lining to all of this, Michael, is that anyone that's been uh, purchasing a property over the last year would know how difficult it's been to find a quality investment grade property when you know, you've been competing against very emotional home buyers that hmm. have had the FOMO, seeing that there can be a lot more opportunity for us in this market to start purchasing properties and not have as much competition. And if your time horizon is 10 plus years, you know, be selective and be prepared to hold for the long term. And as you say, when you look back at the historical patterns of growth in these uh, investment grade locations, we don't have the crazy swings that other locations have had at the top end and at the bottom end. And, you know, we can be more sure when purchasing it that the bottom's not going to fall out over the coming period as well. So I'm actually looking to be active in outside of the country at the moment. And I've got Brett on the search and then I'm going to be moving back to Melbourne to purchase something as well. So thank you for that. And thank you for trusting the team at Metropole to help you. But I agree with you that similarly, I'm active still because I'm not going to try and time the market. In Mm. fact, if things are on special at David Jones, your wife, mine probably goes to buy them because they're cheaper (laughs) also. Not that they're going to drop a lot, but I'm going to only buy it for us and for our clients, the sort of properties that are going to not drop as much in value, but are going to be in continuous strong demand so that in five years, you look back and say, gee, that was cheap then. Mm. But I remember, wasn't that long ago, 2016, 17, and a bit of 18, when the property markets were flat because it was initially appetiting the screws, the Haynes Royal Commission. Then there was the talk about maybe negative gearing going. And those who were nervous during those times, look what they missed out on while those who had a big Mm. picture view, look what their properties are worth today. And I can go back to the times after the global financial crisis when everyone thought the world was coming to an end and 
10 years earlier than that when there was a recession we had to have. Jared, I've sort of worked out that the world breaks probably once every <laughs> decade and then it sorts itself out. Yeah. And boy, and we can feel uncertain again. in those moments, can't we? And, yeah. and it can be really hard to take the action, but we can never also tell what's going to be exact, you know, exactly around the corner. So that's why I think taking that longer term view and buying properties that you would want to hold for that long term, you can't go wrong almost. Exactly right. But I think the other thing is to have a plan, have a strategy, mm. because if you don't have something, then it's just too easy to be swayed by the noise, by emotion, by what other people are doing. But if you've got a plan, then all you do is you do what you've got to do execute. To, to execute it, yeah. as opposed to being swayed by all the noise, because we are going to get a lot more of it. There's already talk of recession. Yeah. There's already talk of mortgage stress. Time to turn off that noise. Mm. And then if you have your finances and your buffers and your insurances and your your mindset right and you, yep. you're not, you know, watching too much news, I think we're going to get through this period with a, you know, a lot more opportunities that we can take and not be end up a statistic having to sell our property and not seeing the upside when things do come back around stronger again. Well, somebody else is buying it because they think there's upside. So mm. somebody's going to win from that equation. One of the interesting trends I've seen, and I thought it was maybe just my experience, but in fact, it's, I've seen it come now over and over again and heard from many people, is that on the East Coast, over the last couple of years, a lot of investors sold up. Mm. And that's one of the reasons why currently there are so few vacant properties and exactly, investment yeah. properties. So I know from, we like you, manage a lot of properties for clients in Melbourne, Sydney, and Brisbane. And people would ring out their property manager and say, oh, I'm selling. Oh, no, look, would you like to have a chat with one of the property strategists? No, no, no. The yeah. estate agent just t- rang me and said, he's got a buyer for my property. Of course he did. So they're not sticking to a plan. And what yeah, they did yeah. was their plan was to hold in the long term. And I read recently that with some of the very large estate agencies in Queensland and in Sydney, they've lost up to 15% of the properties yeah. on their, their rent roll that they were managing. And in general, they were being sold to home buyers, mm. not investors. Now, these people have missed out, unfortunately, because they're going to have to pay capital gains tax. The property's done its job, gone up in value. So you don't sell up. But all this means moving forward, huge rental crisis, very strong rental growth. And that means that even if you're not going to get capital growth, for the next couple of years, you can start to look forward to higher cash flow, Jared. Yeah. Well, it's going to offset those interest rates yeah. that are rising as well. Yeah. And I saw an interesting stats from Michael Matusik in his weekly missive showing that there's actually more investors selling than there is buying at the moment. Yep. So that rental crisis is only going to get worse. Yes. Which I feel for the tenants too, because when it's this tight, I'm not sure what your vacancy rates are like, but in Perth, we're sub 1%. And you know we have tenants breaking down crying when they get given a rental property at the moment. And you know it's not fun when it is this tight, but the flip side is that you know we're increasing rents every time we go to market. Tenants are putting their applications in before we even do a viewing. You know, you could put up a photo of a mailbox and probably get uh, <laughs> applications on it. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so we're noticing houses on the east coast have got vacancy rates below one percent. Apartments are now dropping to below two percent, even mm. in the CBD. Yes. So it's when the vacancy the migrants rates below two really, percent. Uh, the migrants really are attracted to that higher density living, and very um, much so. And the CBD here is making a comeback as well. Sure. So we're experiencing a period of very strong rental growth, but like you, when we've got tenants there and we all of a sudden say, well, your rent has to go up. Unfortunately, I do feel sorry for them on the one hand because they say, but my wages haven't gone up 10%. Why should my rent go up? But when you look at the comparables, there's actually very, very little
potential for rent. Yeah, other than to compare the, sometimes, isn't it? <laughs> yes, it is. So this is the time that the landlords are not taking advantage of the no. people because for the last couple of years they've actually had to wear the yeah, hard yeah. times. So now it's time to just catch up because the rental yields are the lowest they've been for a long time because properties have gone up and values have gone up and rents haven't gone up proportionately, Jared. Hmm. So we've got a lot to look forward to. It's probably going to be a bit more uh, bumpier times, but a lot of opportunity. And I really appreciate you giving us your thoughts on, first of all, the market not crashing and then how to play a bit more of a defensive game. And did you have anything to add before we finish up? Yes, I'm confident and comfortable that residential real estate is still a great investment. But I also recognize that to become financially free in the future, property on its own is actually quite lumpy. It's difficult and it's not a high rental yield investment. So I would be suggesting anyone who's listening to this and wants to become financially free, have a plan, work out where you want to be, work out what you've got to do. And I guess the end game really should be to own your own home with no debt. You don't want to go into your golden years with with debt on your home. Have a residential property portfolio at the end with a a lowish loan to value ratio. So it's at least covering its face and washing its face and then having some other cash flow income, whether it's shares, whether it's uh, managed funds, whether it's your superannuation, whether it's commercial property. So just be careful of people selling you property and saying property, property only, or if they say share, shares only, or Bitcoin, run away. Uh, You actually need a holistic approach to your long-term wealth creation. Um, And over the last year or two, and it's probably now going to happen in Perth, that we experienced in the East Coast, a whole generation of young, new, let's call them enthusiastic amateurs giving advice. Everyone's got an opinion on property, but be careful whose advice you take. Mm, Especially at this phase in the market, because as we've pointed out, the wrong property, when the tide goes out, we see who's swimming naked, don't we? As famous Warren (laughs) Buffett said, exactly right. Jared. And that's a great quote to end on, I think. Thanks you so much for your time, Michael. Really appreciate it. My pleasure, Jared. Look forward to doing this again in a few months' time. See ya. For free market reports on your suburbs of interest and other helpful resources to grow your wealth, make sure you join my property investor update at investorsedge.com.au slash join. And finally, make sure you're a member of our Perth Property Investment Facebook group. To be part of the conversation with other like-minded investors, get help to your questions, and get a feel for what's going on out there in the market. Just a reminder that the information discussed in this podcast is general in nature. As we don't know your specific situation, you should always seek professional advice before taking any action. I'll see you in the group.